Today I'm talking to three incredible actors, Gillian Anderson, Kate Hudson and Catherine Hahn. Here's Kate and Catherine. I think that the women in this all have such complex strength and kind of like they kind of subvert what you immediately think they are. I really appreciate that at the center of these, yes, is Benoit Blanc, but the stories, you know, they feel very female, don't yeah. you think? Uh-huh. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm gonna get that gun of mine, and I'm gonna change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm your host, Anna Smith, and today I'm chatting to the women starring in two new films hitting Netflix. Kate Hudson and Catherine Hahn will be talking to me about Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, the follow-up to Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. And first, the brilliant Gillian Anderson joins me to talk about her new movie, The Pale Blue Eye. She plays a very distinctive role in this murder mystery, starring Christian Bale and Harry Melling as a young Edgar Allan Poe. Is it true? You want solicited a confession with nothing more than a piercing look. With enough patience, a suspect will often interrogate himself. Detective Landor, one of our cadets, hanged himself last night. That's a matter for the coroner. I'm afraid that's not the end of it. His heart was carved from his chest. What type of fella could do this? You have to be a bad man. Needed to decipher this. Rumor has it there are instructions for immortality. Someone there? Gillian, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you for having me. Well, absolutely thrilled to have you on the podcast. You're definitely a dream guest for us. And The Pale Blue Eye, let's start with that. What an interesting film. And also, in some ways we can't speak about, a fascinating role. Can you talk to me about why you wanted to be part of that film? And also, I'm I'm curious to know what kind of conversations you had about how to play her. Gosh, um, very curious character, definitely. Uh, A bit more zany, perhaps, than I've uh, had a chance to play before. The conversations in advance were about uh, her unpredictability and her mental state of mind, but also, oh, I have to be careful about how to talk about it, Um, but also playing it in a way that that potentially if you looked back at a later point or if you watched again, you might have a different perspective. And I guess my biggest questions were... The degree to which her behaviour, Mrs. Marquis's behaviour, was purely the intensity and nerves in the moment contributing to an existing existing mental health issues and to what degree it's a facade. Very well put. I'm curious to know when you're preparing for a character like that who has a very distinctive gait, very distinctive voice. I mean, do you kind of live as that character a little bit in rehearsals? How do you to prepare for that? Well, 
there weren't any rehearsals and there often aren't rehearsals. I would love to have rehearsals with them. <laughs> um, no. And very often what ends up happening is I do the work myself in my own bubble, hear it in my head. There have been times when I haven't let it out prior to the camera rolling, wow. which is a bit risky. <laughs> um, it's very different than working on somebody who is an historical character because one has to guarantee for oneself and presumably the people that you're working for that you're going to be able to. Uh, so then working with a voice coach and, you know, properly, but for something that is as much in my imagination as the director's imagination yeah, very often it's in the head and then just gets released and played with on set. Please let me introduce you to my wife, Julia. I've heard so much about you. That's oh, a pleasure. Aren't you the gentleman inquiring after Mr. Fry's death? I am. Well, we were just discussing the matter. Indeed, my husband informs me that despite his own heroic efforts, the body of Mr. Fry has been judged too far along for public display. Hmm. His poor parents. Oh, indeed. Well, this whole matter has, has shaken us. Be assured, I won't rest until we've apprehended him. Do you ever surprise yourself when you start playing a role? Only in that sometimes or it has happened in the past, where um, it's been in my head and then wanting it to come out the same way that it's in my head, it isn't. Um, I, I don't I don't know whether it's to do with a, a lack of self-consciousness or a lessening of self-consciousness that I'm happy to play with it in the moment as opposed to feeling that somehow I'm, I'm failing myself or failing the film. But actually, there was a point when I was doing Great Expectations and it wasn't until... I was doing press, but afterwards where I had said out loud that the first time that I had spoken with her very, very high pitched, kind of stuck where she was age wise when, you know, when she was left as a young bride, that's Miss um, Havisham. It suddenly occurred to me after the fact that actually if the director had said, what are you doing? What on earth are you doing? <laughs> Do something else, shall we? But I hadn't prepared a plan B. So you'd think that in that moment of realisation, I would have changed my way of working, but I haven't. Well, it's clearly working. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of your other work. Um, you've been in so many great films and TV shows, and obviously this is a feminist film podcast, so I'd love to know which roles you're especially proud of in terms of the way that they depict gender and female characters. Oh, well, I, at the top of that, I would probably have to say uh, Stella Gibson in the fall, uh, because she, you know, on screen was probably the most proactive feminist voice that I've played I you know I've played very a lot of strong women uh in quotes uh <laughs> yes but she was a very different animal yeah we also have a, a bit of an issue with the term strong women yes. I think complex women is something that yes, I it, prefer to say yes or, exactly yeah. Yeah. do you sometimes when you read scripts get a bit frustrated with the way that women are described uh yes yes very often I am but I also if it's something that I am responding to 
then it's most likely going to be something that veers along the lines that I'm, uh, you know, that are important to me. Sex education is so terrific. Big fans yes, of that. Yes, yes, <laughs> Your true. I just finished that. this season on, last on Friday, and um, yeah, I think my character Jean Milburn definitely feels more true to uh, women of my age that I know in her current way of being than perhaps she's been. Uh, presented from the beginning she's struggling a bit more you know finding real challenges not just in terms of her I mean her value systems are in check it's just the way that sometimes she um, her morals can be a little bit um, in relation to her son can be a little um, what's the word Um, fudge that's the word I was looking for she fudges her um, yes the, the line of her moral compass Good morning, Mordale. Today, we shall be hearing from a sexual health expert. I'm here to start an open conversation about S-E-X. Didn't you wank off a courgette? It feels like an important series to me. What kind of reactions have you had from people of all ages who've watched it? Incredibly positive reactions. And I think that on the whole is down to a couple of things. One is, the, you know, that the show has a lot of heart and that's evident from, from the very beginning and has been evident. Also, just the degree to which there is representation of every version of human being that might exist on the planet. Uh, and even if those characters are struggling or even if there are issues of bullying or uh, microaggressions or whatever, that those are topics that are dealt with uh, within the series very compassionately. And people are incredibly grateful for the show in a way that I couldn't have predicted going into it. Yeah. 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 Do you still get a great deal of X-Files fan attention? I would say a great deal. I'm often surprised that's what people bring up given what's come since um it's still wouldn't say at the forefront but it's still there it's uh, yeah amazing you've been in the business for a while now how do you feel that things have changed if they have uh, especially from a gender um, perspective and representation perspective in my experience uh, so far with what I've been shooting, I have seen uh, a big change. I mean, when you work on a show like Sex Education, obviously in front of the camera from the very beginning, you know, it's been incredibly diverse. And, uh, they've been working very hard to make sure that there is more representation behind the camera. I've seen that the producers actively participating in that and they they have absolutely done that. I mean, it's very clear in front of the camera in bigger films, you know, the degree to which women directors are working right now. I mean, compared to I've got friends, women friends, directors who've been in the industry for decades who couldn't pay to be hired for such a long time. And, you know, in the past five, seven years, you know, they have so much work. They are struggling, to, you know, which is an amazing change. And there have been other shows that I've worked on where, you know, there's a couple of women behind the camera in terms of DPs. That's quite rare, but I do see it for the first time. And, 
less with the 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 sparks and the and the other departments the women have always been very prominent in makeup department and costume department but it's um that there definitely have been some changes how do you feel about things like the rise of the intimacy coordinator and such like the intimacy coordinators i've had experience with now on a few sets sometimes it feels like really in this particular scene but you know what if it's there it's fantastic the fact that it exists the fact that you know there's a way for people to have a voice and you know on was it on sex no it was on the great i did uh, a couple episodes on that and there was an intimacy coordinator and i thought in the first instance, that we were going to have quite a prudish conversation about what we could and could not do, etc. But she actually came up with some suggestions of things that we could do that were so far beyond what I might have imagined. <laughs> that it was actually quite startling. And I thought, okay, this isn't us pulling back. This is us, you know, properly stepping into it, but it being upfront and everybody consenting yeah, to yeah. what was going to take place. Can you talk to me a little bit about your activism? I presume you would consider yourself a feminist. Is that fair to say? Yes. What kind of causes have you been involved with, with that in mind? I mean, in the States for a while, I was involved with the Women's Feminist Majority Foundation. And funny, a lot of the work that I do over the past few years has been more related to children and war zones and women in conflict zones and supporting organisations that siphon money towards supporting them and educating them about what their rights are and microeconomics and etc. Those are amazing things to support. I wanted to, to circle back to work. What have you got coming up next after The Pale Blue Eye? Obviously that's coming to cinemas and then to Netflix. I have a film I did a while ago now called White Bird, which is a follow-on story after um, there was a film called Wonder, which was based on an illustrated book. And this is the next instalment. And it's uh, Mark Forster directed and has Helen Mirren and some wonderful young up-and-coming actors. And it's about German-occupied France in World War II. And it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Um, And I thing that I start in January I don't think it's been announced yet so I can't talk about it the next two things that are uh coming up in the new year but that's a good place to start what would you say your priorities are when you're considering what to do next what what sort of goals do you have in mind first and foremost it's you know entering into projects that feel like I haven't touched on before or feel like there's a challenge in some way you know to do something very different I currently have a first look deal with Netflix and so that conversation has been more in the forefront just in terms of the type of material specifically that with my production company we're wanting to bring to them and obviously the a wide range of complex women also the degree to which the projects have something to say and have a social conscience of some kind that is varying degrees of that in each project. Um, you know, especially when putting together material, just the act of particularly going to women, particularly going to women writers and directors and exploring all of those voices and properly reading through, you know, materials that are submitted and that that's been a very enjoyable process in trying to bring voices that maybe haven't been heard before to the forefront. You mentioned some young up and coming actors you were working with. Are there any actors 
you're particularly excited about? I'm very. I'm looking. David Oyelowo and I are looking for a project to do together, and um, I haven't actually revealed to him yet one that I might have found for us to do. That he's fantastic. Um, I'd love to see you together. He is fantastic. So yeah, so I'd I'd really like to work with him. And there's actually a couple of women actors in the states that we've been trying to find projects together and so yeah that's interesting that that's how it works so you respect someone and you meet them and you just think I just love to do something with you yeah I think you know you end up finding yourselves very often in award circuits either doing um, interviews together or backstage waiting to go on for panels and all that kind of stuff and sometimes those conversations are had in those forums to you know put the seed in well I'm gonna be thinking about that next time I see you in something (laughs) and wondering what conversations came about um finally for the listeners um going back to the pale blue eye how would you entice them to watch this I um it's a world the amount of times when I've tried to describe what the next thing is that I'm working on to people and they said oh that's right up my alley and I would not have guessed that it would be right up their alley it's it's very much a you know it takes place in the 1830s at West Point and it's a very it's as much as anything a look into the life of young Edgar Allan Poe while he was a cadet for a period of time and a couple of murders have, uh, or a few murders have taken place at the academy, and Christian Bale's character comes in to try and get to the bottom of the mystery. And it's a very, um, from the second the film starts, you understand uh, place and time. And you know, it takes place in the freezing cold. We shot it in Pittsburgh, and it's a very spare. Uh, is spare in sound and the visuals are very spare and very dark and it's eerie and creepy as you would imagine an Edgar Allan Poe tale to be and so for people that enjoy thrillers in that sense and particularly somehow Scott Cooper has managed to help it to feel like it is kind of the beginning of America you know it is you know you do very much feel that it's early days in that world um there's a lot that's compelling about it and there's an unexpected mystery at the heart of it Another cadet is missing. Poe, I need you to discreetly infiltrate the cadets. What is this? Blood, symbols, rituals. Oh my lord. Man will do most anything to cheat death. Where are the facts? Where are the simple facts? The truth! I believe the dead haunt us because we love them too little. no close to finding who's responsible for this than we were a month ago we are closer it's only a matter of time nicely put and congratulations again you're so brilliant in this film honestly i could take my eyes off the screen you were fantastic oh, thank you thank you very much thank you so much for joining us it's been such a pleasure to have you on girls on film and i do hope you come back again sometime i will indeed thank you for having me absolute pleasure Bye-bye. thanks Gillian. my thanks to Gillian anderson here's kate hudson and Catherine hahn talking about glass onion and knives out mystery ladies and gentlemen You expect it? The mystery. Get your hand off of 
You expected a puzzle. But for one person on this island, this is not a game. Will you explain it to us then, detective? So welcome to you both, to Girls on Film. Thank you. Thank you. Um, welcome to Kate and Catherine, welcome back. Thank you. Last time we spoke on episode four of Girls on Film. Holy and We're now over 130 episodes in. Oh, that's so, exciting. Yeah. Oh, congratulations to you, that's yeah. fantastic. Lock the doors. Stay in your rooms. Everyone is in danger. Well, congratulations to you both on this film because it is a riot. I absolutely loved it. I had so much fun. All right. When's the murder mystery start? Can you talk to me a bit about working together again? Because, of course, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, we loved you in. Oh, that was my first film experience. That's right. We were just talking about this mm. earlier because she came in and... I was in the audition mm -hmm. with, you know, her. We were sort of looking for my GFs in the movie. Mm -hmm. And Catherine came in just like Catherine. Hasn't changed much. <laughs> and and everyone was like, we love this girl. She's Catherine Hahn. She's really great. And she came in like a just a bundle of joy and hilarity and sat down. We started to do the scene. And she had this little bag down below by her feet. And her phone went off. And so she had she picked up like her phone and like took... <laughs> And took the and took the call, but like you know, emphatically apologized. Like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And while it was happening, I was just like, oh my god, I love this woman. And I knew I was like, yeah, this is gonna be Catherine. And we had so much we fun had on so that movie. We had so much fun. And then to come full circle and do this movie with her, and just see her, uh, just destroy in this movie. It's just been a joy of joys all these years later and all this life track between then and now, like all this life that we've had experienced. And like we were saying, like we really have like life happened. Yeah. And like there's so much time that has passed. But when and I saw her on this, I was really I really was. Yeah. Like it was like feeling like it's like just that feeling of, you know, I feel like we're supposed to be in each other's life, you know? Yeah, me too. And of all of this, like, even if this movie wasn't as awesome as it is, like, that reconnection for me is such a huge part of this movie. Yeah, it's really, for... really, really precious. She held an amazing birthday party for me on this. I read I'll your never... tarot cards. She read my tarot oh, cards. Oh, what did they say? Under oh, a full moon. Yeah, under a full oh, moon. No, I don't, I don't ever remember when I read the cards. I remember. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. well, and they were very, very... Very on point. Let me just tell you that. Yes. I'm still processing it through the through this mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And was there a lot of sisterhood in general, like with the other female cast members on this oh, film? Yeah. What if we were like, no. no. We're like, hey, we, yeah, we didn't really, really connect with the other girls. I mean, you really are actors, so you're right. It wasn't really like, no, this whole group oh, it's was. so much fun. The, yeah, was yeah. really, really became a real, oh, this group became very, very, very tight. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan knew how to get a, an ensemble together and knew and really knew what he was doing and in terms everybody of... everybody was so open. I think, you know, there was no, there was nobody who came on there thinking, like, I know everything about all of this. No. Like, everyone was very open and, and curious about each other's process mm -hmm. or work or life, and there was no... There was not a lot of ego, you mm -hmm. know, which was 
surprising. Yeah, like no movie star crap, really. Yeah. Like, is that was, unusual then, really, do you think? Well, I mean, sometimes it's always also, what's weird is that you can do a movie and it's sometimes like the most unassuming person that actually brings yes. the most challenges. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a day, you know, someone who's there for like three days and yes. you're like, what's happening? Yes, who like can't quite get <laughs> right. out of, yes. Wait, what is this? Their head. Um, no, there was really none of that in this. No. My dear friends, my beautiful disruptors, my closest inner circle. We could all use a moment of normalcy, and so you are cordially invited for a long weekend on my private island. Where we will celebrate the bonds that connect us, and I hope your puzzle-solving skills are whetted. Ah! Because you will also be competing to solve the mystery Ah! of my murder. Travel details to come. Please forward any dietary restrictions. Love and all my kisses, Miles. I play Claire DeBella, who is a Connecticut governor, who they're all kind of tied to this billionaire. And he is played by Edward Norton. Alongside and underneath the parquet, you've been charged with a serious task. Because tonight, in this very room, a murder will be committed. My murder. And this group of friends, they're all kind of, had been friends for a long time and now all kind of need him still. He invites Salt Island and every single character in this has a strong motive, which is kind of at the core of all great murder mysteries, which lends itself to great characters all across the board. Everyone has a very kind of full character. Yes. You will have to closely observe the crime. Consider what you know about each other. Know that across the island, I've hidden clues. Some may be helpful, some may misdirect. That's for you to determine. But if anyone can name the killer, tell me how they achieved the murder, and most importantly, what was the motive? That person wins our game. I play Bertie J. She's a fashionista. She's sort of a washed up model who is incredibly oblivious to lots of things that are happening even in the moment. And she's very tone deaf and she just can't get out of her own way. And, um, and she's fabulous. She loves abundance. Something that you said during shooting, which made me laugh, is that she understands every third word. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For something that is so, like, when you read the script, it's so, it's such an incredible screenplay. For something that's so Ryan's vision and so honed in, within that, he created such an environment on set of looseness. So you really, like, felt, you didn't feel, like, caught in someone's vision. So it never felt tight. Was there some improv then? A little bit. It was, like, but it was very, very close to, I mean, it was basically the screenplay. But I just mean the vibe was loose. Any questions? Uh, wait, what are we with? I, what do you mean, what do you, what do you, what do you want? And Daniel, too. No, no, nothing. Like, because our number one on the call sheet was so generous, and he was so with everybody the whole time, and was so game. He really, like, set the tone of just play. I, I, I just thought maybe there was a prize or something. I, I, an iPad or like. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, no, no, the winner gets an iPad. Yeah, and Daniel's quite youthful in his energy. Yeah. Like, you know, he's yeah. a bit of a, in, in the best way, I mean you, this, yes. a, a bit of a Peter Pan. You know, he's not so serious. People might think that he would be more serious than yeah. he actually is. 
And so when you have that as your number one on the call uh, sheet. Also, like, so, a brilliant and like, physical comedian, Daniel Craig. Oh, which my I didn't, God. Like, remember when, remember, I'm not going to spoil anything, but remember that the scene when he came in and it was, like, a whole thing and he did the thing with his thing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we I know the like, one you mean. <laughs> that one. Every <laughs> time he did it. Well, you guys are pretty great in this film, may I say. What did you both love about your characters or what did you embrace in playing them? I mean, I really loved the um, narrow palette that I had to work with emotionally and and emotionally, physically, and uh, actually uh, on the color wheel wise. Beige-wise, I had I had a very specific set of rules in which to play in, and so that was I found that very a very interesting challenge to stay in that lane, and that was fun. Yeah, I feel you got luckier with your wardrobe, Kate. No. <laughs> oh, that oh, dress, yeah. girl on fire. Yeah. Lionel, you are too sexy to be a scientist. And Claire, you look so cute. Thanks, bird. You really try. I like that. You really make an effort. Well, I figured. Grease. And no mass? I can breathe again. Look at this pool. I think I'll go for a swim. Maybe I'll lay out for a bit. You know, for me, it was really about being uninhibited. It was almost mm. like getting into a boxing ring. You know, it was like... Okay, you know, yeah, like for sure. The, and the just like really going for it, you know, that was actually challenging. Like, yeah. But, but because Ryan, I could go as far. I mean, when Ryan would come up to me, sometimes go, I think you can go even bigger. I'd be like, really? Yeah. yeah. Great. Okay, let's go. Love you it. know, there was something about having that safety net of a director that you could trust to help you walk the line for that character because it's like, you know. She is really specific. And you walk the love line her. of being, you know, someone you love or someone you really don't really like very much, you know. So, but what a blast. I mean, she was so fabulous. And, and you just really body And the body, I felt like I was dancing, you know. I, I liked that. Like, I'm such a mover and I'm so physical. So being in parts that are physical oh. make me happy. She reminded me of people I know and I have a similar love-hate relationship with them, you know. Yeah. They're really, really fun to hang out with, but sometimes, you know. Yeah. They can be a lot. So, yeah, really, really fun. I wanted to ask you what you think about the way that Ryan writes women, female characters. Mm. I mean, we don't talk about this Yeah, enough. we don't. They're so good. He's so... Um, he mm-hmm. has such a strong mm. awareness of women. And yes. and he really honors women. I mean, even though every character in this is a terrible, deliciously terrible character. But he's very, I feel like he honors and respects women so deeply. It Ooh, really he's comes married out to a and real strong one, too. Karina in, Longworth is an amazing is podcaster. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Incredible podcaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, everyone should listen to her podcast about Hollywood. But you're right. I think he does write such specific... I mean, all the humans he writes are so specific, so have such a strong point of view. And you're right. I think that the women in this all have such complex strength and kind of like they kind of subvert what you immediately think they are. So that's what's I think so delicious about them. You think they're one thing and then they all have something else. I keep there's doing a, that gesture. There's a finger gesture of going up. I just want to explain something. She keeps putting two fingers and they're just going up to explain female, which I want to understand. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to dive into what that is. What is this 
Let's finger dive up. right into this. You can start a thing now. <laughs> but he, he definitely does sub but he does definitely like subvert everything that you there's so many of the women of like whatever a trope one would think is yeah. of some of these characters. He'll continually continually subvert them, which I really enjoy. And I really appreciate that at the center of these, yes, is Benoit Blanc, but the stories, you know, they feel very female, don't yeah. you think? Yeah, uh-huh. Talk to me about the shoot. What was the experience like? Was it COVID? Because obviously there's a lot of it references was, to COVID in Greece this. Greece was just so dreamy. I mean, all of us lived at least five minutes from the beach, if not a walk, a drive. I mean, we were like right on the water. I mean, it's like, look at this back. Yeah, like, I mean, this, this is basically was, what we were what looking we were at. doing was, for a month and a half. And I mean, gratitude, gratitude. It was so heavenly. I mean, it really was. You know, going to get lunch on a day off was like going in a water taxi to some taverna and you're like, oh, I know. look at this. I was like, this is bananas. Never happens. No, it, it never happens. happens. And our kids hung out. Like, I mean, it was just the sweetest. My daughter had a baking class for everyone's little kids. Like, it was, it was just the sweetest. And then Catherine and I, at one point, we were like, we're never going to work any other way. Remember when we were oh, like, yeah. we're going to have Rashida. Yes, and we were going to Rashida do like, needs to write a script that we're all in. And yeah. it's in Greece in the summer. Oh, <laughs> that would be the best. Yeah. Please Have do it. And I'll come and do a set visit <laughs> and a special report. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> Although this film actually does feel like we're kind of on holiday with you. And that's one of the things I love about oh, it. Oh, exactly. Hopefully that, we were yeah. saying that hopefully that's the feeling that people will, that around the holidays, will want to have that kind of feeling when they when they Definitely. watch it. It's like a free holiday. It's like, yes. I, feel, I feel like I've got some amazingly glamorous, fantastic yes. party somewhere. Some ethically complicated friends. Well, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely that. This is truly delightful. You're all friends. Why would anyone commit murder? Are we even going to talk about the elephant in the room? Am I the elephant? Yeah, you're the elephant. You're not that bad. Are you calling me dangerous? Well, we'll see. Let it all out. Hell yeah! This is reckless. The killer wouldn't hesitate to kill again if it covers their tracks. Now to sum up, anything for the girls on film listeners? Any inspiration? Oh. I mean, just, I always am saying, like, I always want to say to this, I mean, this experience, so heavenly and also just I'm so excited that this is your that you've been doing it this long so congratulations and just continue to write stories for women and um, and for and, and just I mean okay keep going sorry yeah I didn't mean to interrupt you no no just can just continue to tell and write write stories and direct stories I I, I want to say that making movies is hard yes it, it's not to be sugarcoated. You know, people want to sugarcoat this process, but even getting a movie made is hard. Like, it's such an accomplishment to be able to, to even tell your story if you can get there. And so don't give up on it when it's hard. Like, keep going, yeah. you know? Because I think sometimes people feel so defeated and they and they get so down on, themse on themselves because they're not achieving a certain kind of success or a certain kind of... But like, if, if you love it and this is your passion and this is what you know you're meant to do, you just have to keep going. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of that is just have that little side hustle. Do your work. Tell your stories. And Kurt always said to me, my dad, he's like, you've got to love something else too. Because the, mm. the business is tumultuous. It's hard to get movies made. 
and it will tear you to pieces, but we need to keep going. And so if you have something else over here, you never get too attached to it inside of it. And it, the noise never hurts you as much as it would. Oh, that's good if that's advice. all you ever are looking for is to have a certain amount of success in that one thing, it's gonna really hurt. disappoint you at some point. So my advice is, mm. I, and, and I know it's like, put your head down, do the work. Keep your head up, do the work, mm -hmm. and don't, don't give up. Just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, that's my... I love it. You know? Wonderful. Very inspiring words, both of you. Thank love you it. so much. Thank you it's so much, and congratulations. You yeah. You're listening to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith, and I was joined by Gillian Anderson on The Pale Blue Eye, and Kate Hudson and Catherine Hahn to talk about Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. I'd recommend both those films to you. You can watch Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery on Netflix from the 23rd of December. And The Pale Blue Eye is in select UK cinemas from the 23rd of December and available globally on Netflix from the 6th of January. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Lydia Scott, audio editor Benjamin Cook, intern Eleanor Hardy and our principal partners Vanessa Smith and Peter Brewer. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you also to our lovely Patreon supporters Lisa Fraser Ashton, Colin Uddall, Stephen Baxter, Rebecca Del Tufo, Julie Elizabeth Robards, Sophie Files, Claire Vaughan and Jessica Phillips. If you love Girls on Film, please consider supporting us through Patreon so we can continue to make great podcasts for you. Thanks for listening. You must be really great at Clue, huh? I'm very bad at dumb things.